0: These are the rules. This is how life works. Don't go there. Trust this person. And in one moment, every rule you've ever had is no longer. The bottom is truly bottomed out. It's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, Get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Once you've figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, all right, this is good. We got this. And you don't know there's a stage four or stage five. So because you think this is it, you get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again, right? Do I trust you? Can I trust you? I forget I'm not trusting anybody. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You're just right now because this is what you've been doing. Now the mind starts doing things like, well, you know, maybe you're not all that.
1: Hi, I'm Talia and welcome to the Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. My guest today is Dr. Debbie Silva, founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. Dr. Debbie is a holistic psychologist, a health, mindset, and personal development expert, and the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman: Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Crisis. And her newest book, Trust Again: Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and Happiness. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that change how long it takes to heal. Welcome, Dr. Debbie Silva. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: Let me, before we get into anything, I'd love to learn a little bit about your story and just how you ended up here doing what you're doing.
0: Sure. I don't think anybody says, oh, you know, I think I want to study betrayal. Like never. So this is actually my 30th year in business. And as life would change, so would business. And uh, I started in health and then mindset and then personal development. And then I had trauma. It was the betrayal from my family. And I thought I did the work I needed to do to heal from that. And then a couple of years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband shocked, blindsided, devastated. Anybody who's been through it, you know, that feeling it's heartbreaking, soul crushing. So I got him out of the house and I was like, okay, what's common to these two experiences? Of course me. uh, But other than that, and I said, you know, my boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my own needs seriously. That's it something drastic has to change. So here I was, I was 50. I had four kids and six dogs and a thriving business. And I was like, I'm going back for a PhD. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human Mm -hmm. potential, because I was changing so much, I didn't quite understand it. He was too, wasn't ready to look at that. Uh, And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? what helps us heal and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life.
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, um, All right. While we're on this topic, um, I, I really want to get to those three discoveries. But before we do that, you mentioned that the first betrayal came from your family. Do you feel comfortable talking about that? you know, this was a lifetime of
0: verbal mental emotional abuse. And then it just, I mean, it just and it's such craziness, it just doesn't even make sense. And then it just all came to a head. And it's so hard, you know, with when when it's people, these are the people that you trust, the the, the very person, the very people that gave you a sense of safety and security when those are the people to shatter it. It's terrifying. And mm. it's so hard because, you know, we grow up thinking, oh, these
1: big people must know better.
0: Yeah. It's always really upsetting and earth shattering when you find out. No, they don't.
1: Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, I think it's earth shattering for any child to find out that, you know, when they realize their parents aren't always right or that they don't always agree, but when their parents have done a particularly not so great job and, and you know, really haven't done the work themselves. So they just, you know, that's what they say. Hurt people, hurt people. And um, um but you said something, you said, my family hurt me. I thought I'd done the work, mm-hmm. but then it happened again. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I, I feel yeah. like I've been in that position where I've thought I've done the work and then I was like, you haven't done the work at all. <laughs> you yeah. thought you did the work,
0: but you did not. <laughs> and you know you haven't done it when when it comes up again. And yeah. here's the thing. I can spot an unhealed betrayal a mile away. And we see it in health, in work, in relationships. In relationships, we'll see it in one of two ways. The first is in repeat betrayals. Here's why. You keep getting opportunities in the form of people for you to get this really important lesson. Um, You know, you you are lovable, worthy, and deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is for you. And until and unless you get that lesson, you will keep getting people, you know, opportunities Mm. to teach that to you until you get the mother of all betrayals. And then you're like, oh, I get it. I will never stand for this, that. The other thing, I will never tolerate this, that, whatever. Lesson learned. So in my experience, you know, I, I had that family betrayal and I, and, and I was, you know, learning all these things and, and doing, moving through it as best I could. But when it happened again, you know, that's what, in this time with my husband, that's when I was like, oh no, 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 no. I've never taken, put my own needs first. I've never even taken my own needs seriously. Mm. This is different. And it was really for me at the time. One of the boldest, not one, the boldest thing I could do uh, because it was really, it wasn't about, oh, is everyone else taken care of? Does everyone else have everything they need? Oh, is there any time left? Okay, that's when I'll find time for me. Mm-hmm. This was, this is what I'm doing for myself and I will work it all out. That's just it. But that decision changed my life.
1: How did it change your life?
0: Well, you, you can't make three discoveries and go back to business as usual. I mean, you just can't do that. So um, you know, the 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 first, I mean, and I can talk about the discoveries, but one of them was the and I'll just show you how it it played itself out, was that while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even so much more exciting about that is we even know what happens now physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So healing is predictable. So you you can't learn something like that and then be like okay let me just go back to my work no so i i put the five stages in a proven predictable just a program and mm-hmm. it blew up and then i was like okay well how do i leverage me so i created a certification program so doctors coaches healers therapists can be trained and and you know certified in the five stages that blew up. And then I saw that like the wrong support does way more harm than good. So we put like all the right things, what the research proves, what, you know, all within the PBT post-betrayal transformation Institute.
1: Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the wrong support. What, what are the impacts of that? You know, we have so many people
0: coming into the Institute with therapy trauma. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I think we, we go through a betrayal and we figure, okay, let me see a therapist. Now that that could be wonderful if that therapist is very highly skilled in betrayal. If not, it really does a tremendous amount of damage. Like for example, let's just, I'll take a stereotypical example. A narcissistic husband betrays the wife. She's devastated. He's just skipping right along like it's nothing. She's met. She manages to drag him to therapy. They go to therapy. The therapist isn't highly skilled in this and the, the husband is very charming and maybe the crocodile tears and the whole thing. So the therapist looks at the, what, you know, the betrayed wife says, you know, you really need to learn to communicate better. Yeah. It's like what, Mm -hmm. you know, and that happens all the time or take that same couple. Now, of course, let's say the mother-in-law doesn't want to see the family break up. So she's like, you're okay. Right. You're good. You're good. Get over it. Things like that. So the right type of support, not, not to sit and commiserate with, but just people who get it and who are there to lift and inspire. It Mm. takes a very specific type of, uh, you know, you need that support because this is a time where we need support the most, but we're the least likely to seek it because there's so much shame there's Mm. so much embarrassment. There's so much fear of judgment. Like, seriously, I mean, this is my topic. This is what gossip thrives on. So being so vocal about this and, and, you know, just talking about it, you face a lot of judgment, a lot of criticism. A lot of people have their own opinions. And even with this, I mean, even when I wrote the book, Trust Again, I said, you know, uh, and my story is all in there. And I sat my whole family down, said, you know, It's coming, just so you know. And I thought it's interesting because I thought my kids would be like, "Oh, come on, mom," you know. And uh, and it was interesting. They and they all they were all behind it. And my biggest supporter was my husband. Did you help? Yeah. And just to close the loop on that story, we we teach within the student, and we know how do you know if it's safe and in your best interest to just. You know, heal yourself and move on or rebuild. And rebuilding is always a choice. Whether you rebuild with uh, just yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. Wasn't Mm -hmm. an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. That's what I did with my husband. So not long ago, as to totally transform people, we married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress. And our four kids is our bridal party.
1: Yeah, wow. And so in that healing time, did you take some time out?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. See, this is what we see what I see so often too. That was the deal breaker. I was like, okay, I wasn't prepared to be a single mom and and do this all by myself, but that was the deal breaker. And with that complete and utter death and destruction of the old, I was like, all right. So now I'm recreating my life. I'm going to just get myself through this however I can
1: mm-hmm. and we'll
0: see what shows up. But because and I see this with other couples too, when you're really willing to let it all go without any expectation of what's going to show up, you allow for the birth of the new, Mm. but what so many people do is there's so much fear. They're afraid, you know, so, so they're just trying to patch it up, patch it up, patch it up. And, and, you know, and I see it doesn't work. In fact, there were three groups in my study who did not heal one. This was the group where they just, were, they just weren't accepting it. They mm-hmm. had their story and they were sticking with it, period, end of story. The second group, this was the group where they were numbing, avoiding, distracting. So let's say they ran to the doctor who put them on a mood stabilizer or anti-anxiety medication, or they started emotionally eating or drinking. And it may have made the day a bit easier to get through, but they didn't heal because they mm. didn't face it. Right. And then there was the group this was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. And whether it was out of financial fear, not wanting to break up a family, religious reasons was a big one, fear of the unknown. They just did all they could just to like put it behind them, get over it, whatever. And I saw two things, a further deterioration of the relationship. And this group by far was the most physically sick.
1: Mm, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because I was going to say it's going to come out some ways, yeah. is it? And also yeah. as well, it's like that really intense chipping away at your self esteem, at your self worth at like everything that you are. And you're just like swallowing this really dark pill. Ugh. Exactly. Yeah. So they didn't heal, but, but that, but I get it. It's scary. It's yeah, scary, it's scary.
0: To say, right. that's it. It's dead and gone. Yeah. But you rebirth this, this version of you that never would have had an opportunity to show up. Unless that happened. And potentially that other person can totally wake up also. But at the very least, you, you know, you recreate a version of you that is so healed, so healthy, so whole, so strong. Um, Mm. you're you're absolutely a different person. That was actually the first discovery that um originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is like if you imagine kind of an upside of trauma, how any trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective that you didn't have. Like maybe you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I was like, I've been through death of a loved one and I've been through disease. But I was like, betrayal is different, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants, and I said, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Every single one of them said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self is completely shattered and has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, belonging, trust, they're shattered. And they all have to be rebuilt so it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth it was like yes you rebuild your life but you also rebuild the self so i coined a new term post-betrayal transformation that is the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal
1: what if you get stuck on one part i mean i haven't in this particular instance that i'm thinking of i wasn't betrayed but i had such a hard time letting go and i just could i wanted to so badly but yeah. I just couldn't. I just didn't know how. And no one seemed to be able to really give me that answer. So, Yeah, that's so classic to stage
0: three out of the five stages. And that was why when this was discovered, it was so exciting because we saw what was happening in each stage and what you have to do to move. So I'm happy to go through the stages. Please and, do, yeah. Yeah, and that stage, stage three, when you hear it, it's the most common place to get stuck. Mm. It's so common. And I noticed in doing this work that um, my book m- that's coming out in October mm-hmm. is all about stage three. Like Listen. all the stage three years, I'm coming right for them because they're just so stuck and they don't even realize. Anyway, so. all yeah. well, uh, they do and they don't know how to get out. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, they, they, I have, I mean, that's the book is dedicated just for them. So, so stage one is like a setup stage. And if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of ignoring the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not really prioritizing the feeling and being, right? But think about it. We're only focused on those two legs. Easy for that table to topple over. And that's us. Stage two, by far the scariest of all of the stages, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind and the worldview. So here you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense to you. And your worldview, is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules. This is how life works. Don't go there. Trust this person. And in one moment, every rule you've ever had is no longer. The bottom is truly bottomed out. It's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. Mm -hmm. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Once you've figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, oh, okay. All right. This is good. We got this. And you don't know there's a stage four or stage five. So because you think this is it, four things happen. The first thing is you start planting some roots here. You're not supposed to stay here long, but you don't know that. So the first thing is you start getting all these like little small self-benefits. Now, remember, if this is what happened with you, you get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Right. Do I trust you? Can I trust? You? I forget? I'm not trusting anybody. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You're just right. You have your story. And now you're talking about that. That's what you're doing. So you plant deeper roots and then the next thing happens. Now, because this is what you've been doing, now the mind starts doing things like, well, you know, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So you start planting deeper roots because this is how you're thinking and where you're living now like energy attracts like energy. Mm. So now you're calling situations and circumstances and people towards you to confirm, yep, this is exactly where you belong. It gets worse but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anything better. Right here you resign yourself. You're like, I guess this is as good as it's going to get, but ah, this is terrible. So here's where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, anything to numb, avoid, distract yourself from what's so painful to feel or face. So think about it. You're not happy, but you do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can truly see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing or that drinking you're doing or that numbing in front of the TV you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm nuts. They would say, that happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in
1: stage three and stayed there. That makes sense? Yeah, mine was a little bit different because mine was wasn't really a betrayal. It was sadness, so Mm -hmm. it was like this, just wallowing. But definitely, I can relate to like, oh, this is it. No, and and attracting like not great people. Yeah, like like I was like, why am I attracting all these low quality people into my life? I'm not. I've never done this before. I've always had really great, amazing people, and all of a sudden, I'm I'm like a magnet for these. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's those misery loves company people. They all start coming around right then because that's what you're attracting because that's the energy you have. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you're willing to let willingness is the biggest word here. If you're willing to let go of all of that, willing to let go of your story and all that goes with it, grieve more than the loss bunch of things you need to do, you can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo my experience, but I can control what I do with it. And I always use that example. If you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not all cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this position, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you stop the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What's so interesting about stage four also is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent like who you want to be in mm-hmm. that new space. And what I saw was if your friends weren't there for you, right here's where you've outgrown them. Like those people you're talking about, the people you were attracting, you didn't take them with you. No. Right. Yeah. That's so classic. And, and when we don't know them, we're like, what the heck? I've had these people in my life for all these years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and they just don't belong. Yeah. So when we understand that, it makes sense. Anyway, when you're in this space, you're making it mentally okay, you can move into the fifth most beautiful stage and this is healing, rebirth and a new world view. The body starts to heal, self-love, self-care, eating well, exercising. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier, now you do. Your mind, you're making new rules, new boundaries based on the whole road you traveled and based on your experience and you have a new worldview based on what you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages.
1: Wow, okay. This is <laughs> this is a lot to take in, but it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. So when you get to stage five, then mm-hmm. you're starting attracting the right people because you've got the boundaries, you're solid within yourself. Then it gets
0: really fun. Now, in, your, in stage five, coming into stage five even, that's when you're ready for that new relationship, that new career, that new, you know, business, that new level of health. You, you couldn't do it earlier. And what I see so often is people are so lonely. They're so afraid of being alone. And so all they want to do is just be with somebody else because just to get rid of that feeling, but until you do the work to heal when you're in that stage three, right? Mm-hmm. All you're going to do is attract more of the same. But Mm. when you do the work to move through stage four, stage five, the caliber of person you become and the caliber of person you attract in stage five blows the doors off of anybody you'd attract in stage three.
1: So, okay. Let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they're like, this is just me to a (laughs) T. How do we, how do we start? Where do we start beginning to move through the stages?
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing is recognize, you know, that if I said something like, I'm sure You know, whoever's listening, you're like, oh my gosh, she just nailed me. I'm in stage three, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. So you can't change what you're not aware of. Here's the thing. It's all predictable what to do to move through it. Trust again. My book, Trust Again, moves you right through the stages. That's what we do in the Institute. We move you through. We have a predictable program. We have our coaches. I mean, that's all we do there. But at the very least, acknowledge where you are. And then I would question, it sounds like, well, of course I want to You know, I want to move from one stage to the next. But very often Mm. you don't because you have to give up your story, a bunch of things you have to do. And if that story is serving you and it is Mm -hmm. on some level, right? Like think about it. I had a great story. Most important people in my life all betrayed me. But then think about it. It's a much better story to know we're helping thousands of people because I was willing to let go of the first story. You know, so we have to understand everything we do is because it serves us on some level. But when we realize, we have a much better story. We can improve our immune system. We stop that accelerated aging. We open doors we never would have had access to if we didn't you know, let that go. We, you know, We have to take a look and say, okay, yes, this is serving me, but mm. there's something so much better. And you've been through the worst already. You owe it to yourself to do something really good with something bad.
1: So is it fair to say that the people that you cited before that didn't heal didn't go through that healing stage Mm -hmm. was because they were not willing to kind of surrender to the process
0: very much so you know it's um it's interesting because even in the study i I thought well the people who were the hardest hit would probably grow the least because they had the most to overcome that had Mm -hmm. nothing in the world to do with it nothing it was really the people who just they just put their head down they said i'm not picking my head up till i'm out the other side right those are the ones who really did the work to heal, but people don't like getting uncomfortable. Mm,
1: you yeah. just don't,
0: Yeah, you know, that's really what it is. And, and I use this, this analogy. It's so simple, but it really says it like, let's say you have a messy room in your house. Like, let's say you have a messy garage and you think it's not vying for your attention, but it is, you don't want to be in there. If you have to go in, you grab what you need and you're out of there. Right. But then think about it. There's that one day where you're like, that's it. I'm going in. And you roll up your sleeves and you grab your garbage bags, right? Now think about what happens first. It's actually a lot worse. And it's a lot worse because I'm going to donate this. I'm going to toss that. I'm going to fix this stuff is all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. But then you put in the car what you're going to donate and what you're going to fix and you throw out whatever, and then you put back what's left and think about what happens next. Now you're standing back and they like hands on your hips. You're like, Ooh, look at this. You're so proud, right? You're, you want to bring your friends over, come look at my garage. You're so excited. You can only feel that sense of pride and accomplishment because you dove in and you did the work. Mm. It's the same thing here. You can't feel that sense of pride, sense of personal power when you're numbing, avoiding, distracting, when you're, you know, when you're just doing anything to not fit what we say in the community, face it, feel it, heal it.
1: Mm. it ah, this is such a fascinating conversation because Someone I used to know when I was younger comes to mind. And she at the time, she was with, she was a little bit older. Actually, she was 10 years older than her partner. I don't know why they broke up, but she wanted to have a kid and he didn't. Mm-hmm. Then he got another girlfriend, accidentally got his new girlfriend pregnant. And she was mm-hmm. devastated. And and I remember th- saying to her at the time, like, How are you, how are you going? Like, and she yeah. goes, you know what? I'm not gonna let one guy ruin my life. I'm not gonna let this one thing. She goes. I'm young. I've got plenty of time, you know. He wasn't ready because they were so in love. He was so in lo- more in love with the first person than he was with the second person. It seemed, and yeah. the second person, it was a mistake. It was well, not a mistake. It was a surprise.
0: Mm-hmm. And um,
1: I shouldn't say mistake. You know what I mean? And right. yeah, and and I was. I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is so heartbreaking. Like it's just so heartbreaking to see this. And and I remember her saying that. You know what? I'm not going to let this. Ruin my life. So, how do those people who have that? I'm not going to let this ruin my life. And then there's some people who are like, "Oh my gosh, it'll never be. I can never do anything about it. I'm stuck in this hole forever. I'm just in a deep yeah. hole, and that's it. This is the, well, the you know
0: now, yeah. And now that I explained the stages, that person is like, "That's it. I'm never going to get out of it. That's the way it goes. That person is deeply rooted in stage three, and they're not moving. Your friend said, "Okay, you know what? I can't change this, but I change what I what I do with it." She moved to stage four. Yeah, that's that's an example of it right there. And and good for her, because think about it here. She could have spent five, 10, 50, 20 years and he's off onto the you know, he's not thinking about it, not caring, nothing. And if she completely led her life, according to the pain she felt from all those years ago, that's a sad future for her. Yeah. And that's what so many people do. It could start in childhood, right? Let's say there's there's child abuse or something that some sort of betrayal you know, when someone's a little kid. And because those beliefs were formed there, if they don't do the work to fix that, mm. now they're 10, they're 20, they're 30, 40, 50, 60, and their entire lives are being um, created
1: based on what happened when they were less than 10 years old. It is just heartbreaking when I hear those stories because it's not the child's fault. And it's like, I have to go through all this work because you fucked up my life, you know, yeah. but but it's like, well, yeah, like you said, you can't, it, you can't change the past, but you can take a hold of the future. And when you do, when, that's why when people get to that place of post-betrayal
0: transformation, they're so strong because look what they've healed from. Right. You know? They've healed from that person, those people who said, we got you, you're safe here, we'll take care of you, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, and and then they just shatter it. So, yeah. so to heal from something like that, you, you're just a warrior.
1: Yeah, yeah, total warrior, total warrior. Um, I want to go back to something you said before. You mentioned that people are being, I guess, unintentionally betrayed by their therapists. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that because I have a few friends you know, my mother, when I was growing up, my mother's answer to everything was go and talk to a therapist throughout it. Go and talk to a therapist. And it was great. It became kind of a bit yeah. of a joke, really. But it's true. Like I did have a lot of therapy and it, it helped. But I remember I had a second therapist and then I realized that my first therapist wasn't that great, but I didn't know at the time. And yeah. I've spoken to so many people who were just like, I've got nothing out of therapy. And I'm like, try again. They're all different. You know, they're not, yeah. they're not all created equal. So how do we pick somebody who we know can you know, help us?
0: Yeah, and I'm, this is going to annoy a lot of people. Here's the thing I, I'm a psychologist, but I'm a coach first. And it's one thing, and I understand there is a period of time that you need to talk it out. Mm-hmm. But then there comes a time that, yes, you want to talk it out so that you can do something profound with that information. Mm-hmm. So, what I find is when you're continuously talking about the same thing, coming out of it no better or with no greater understanding than the last hundred times you talked about it. All we're doing now is getting ourselves deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Don't get me wrong, we need to make sense and then we need to make meaning out of our experience. But the idea is to take that experience and do something powerful with it. And I do agree there are many things that come up in life and to have a support system and you know, people that you can share it with and they can see it through a very objective lens, that's, an, that's really helpful. But what, what isn't helpful? What I've seen that isn't helpful is just regurgitating and reiterating the same exact thing every time with no better outcome, no forward movement, or uh, truly not understanding the devastation betrayal creates.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I,
0: I just, I see those scenarios all the time. Like someone was, there was a a, a member, she said, Debbie, I've been in therapy two and a half years. I've been with you like a month. I've done so much more healing right. in that period of time. But here's the thing, too: they have to be ready. Right. Like we have two people who leave the community. It's the person who's at that place of post betrayal transformation. They're supposed to. They're ready to fly. We're the training wheels till they, till you know, until they don't need us. And the person who doesn't want to do the work, they want their story. Right. And I get it. That we're not a fit for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped. Unfortunately, it's like someone with really severe mental health issues or someone who's an addict and they just don't want to change. It's almost Mm -hmm. like, uh, wallowing is the addiction. Isn't that really? Like you don't know how, where else to go from there? Well, that's what it is.
0: If I tell you how many times someone will tell me their story and I can tell by the way they're saying it, they've said it thousands of times.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'll even ask
0: them: are, are you ready? or Are you willing to let go of that story? They look at me like I'm crazy, but yeah. I know the look. I know in the not you know, the arms folded,
1: it's like you know, just like no, I, I want to heal. I'm like no, you don't. You have to get rid of all that stuff. This is like so incredibly helpful. I, I just wanted to ask. So you said before that stage four was the trusting again.
0: Oh, well, stage four is is, is where transformation begins. Mm-hmm. Okay, but trusting again is a whole other thing. We could we could. I'm happy to talk about that
1: yeah please let's talk about that because i think you have one particular friend in mind and she's got the worst tasting men and she yeah. just always picks these like and i'm like i can see these guys coming from a mile away how come you can't see it like what's yeah. what's there and it's such it's so heartbreaking to see that over and over again yeah so
0: uh, so let me just i'll give you a perspective on on trusting and i'd love to share the third discovery too so i look at trust like a brick wall and and you know, the only way I know of a brick wall to be built is brick by brick by brick, right? Same thing with trust. Every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy represents one brick in that brick wall. So it can take a really long time to build. And then think about it. Here, the person who's been building that brick wall all this time in one moment can shatter the entire thing. And now the person whose trust has been shattered can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. Totally fine. Walk away. However, if they're willing to watch that brick wall be rebuilt, right, mm-hmm. the person who shattered it has to be a really good bricklayer, And it's got to go up the same way it did the first time, brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity they, sh- they have to show they're trustworthy, one brick in that brick wall. So people ask me all the time, they say, well, can trust be um, repaired? I say no. Can it be rebuilt? Yeah, but it's going to take Brick by brick by brick.
1: That's such a great metaphor. That's so true. And I think also as well, you stop listening. When someone keeps smashing the wall down, you're just like, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I've been here before. I don't, I don't need to yeah. deliver this again. I don't want to rebuild it.
0: <laughs> and should. But here's the other thing I'll see. Since we're talking about that metaphor, ready, right? this is what I see. The person, the person's trust has been shattered. The the person shattered the brick wall. And then the person whose trust was shattered, they're like, well, I'll build it. I'll rebuild it. You don't have to. It's like, what? No. Yeah. Yeah. And they wonder why things aren't better. Mm. That's the opportunity. It's supposed to be, you know, to make something completely new. The person who did the shattering of trust should have had the biggest wake-up call of their lives Mm. and and, and now come at it from this whatever-it-takes attitude. Mm. But if it's more like, all right, you're going to build it, fine. What's that?
1: Yeah. And it's obviously like if the, if the person who shattered it is not willing to rebuild it or they're just a bit blase about it, it's like, okay, obviously it wasn't ever really that important to you anyway. Here's the thing too. You're kind of like make this fantasy up in your head. Like, no, they really care. It's like, no, they don't Uh, recently. I mean, I've heard this before, but it recently kind of hit me differently. If you want to know how people, people will show you how they are. People will show you who they are pretty quickly. It's up to you to Mm -hmm. listen. And I, you know, I've heard that before, but I was just like, oh man, it was such a punch in the chest recently. Cause I was like, yeah, you've been ignoring who these people are and a little bit of who you are too, you know? I mean, I don't know about where you are, but like, I'm in one of the longest lockdowns in the world. So it's been really, really tough mentally over 200 days. I don't even know how many days now, but. It's been really hard mental health-wise. So everybody's giving each other a little bit of grace. Like when Mm -hmm. people kind of lose their shit a little bit, it is out of character. So people are just kind of letting it fly because it's like we're not operating from our peak states at this time. However, though, it's still sometimes a little bit telling
0: well, I mean, you're, you're being tested. You're being pushed to limits that you never thought you'd be pushed to. Yeah. So it's always in times like this, we see the best and the worst out of people. Well, what's that? There's an amazing, I botch up every quote, but there's something It was like an Eleanor Roosevelt quote. A woman is like a teabag. Want to see how strong she is? Put her in hot water. Something <laughs> like
1: that. <laughs> I like right? that. It? And it's so true, yeah. right? You see what you're made of. You yeah. really do. It's been really fascinating to see as a collective as well, right? How people and who your closest friends are and why they're close. And like you like you were saying with the brick wall, like um, Brene Brown has a similar metaphor with the marble jar. I don't know if you know that metaphor. Oh. And, um, and it's the same. It's like, you know, those little bits of trust, even in situations like this, can you see me? Can you see me when we're all in kind of trauma, I guess,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
1: That's what's going on. And, you know, I kind of move through it where I look
0: ahead and then I look back and I I reflect back and say, would I like when I look back on this, how I showed up? Mm -hmm. And if not, why do I wait until it's over now? Change it now. You know what I mean? Change it now. So it's a way to kind of catch yourself because uh, it, it's it is it's times like these that it's just truly an amazing opportunity just to um just to give a little extra kindness a little extra grace a little extra support uh yeah. because people are struggling they really are and you see people here now that you know the five stages you can and people feel betrayed by life by government. Right. Yep. So you see people who are in, they are deeply rooted in that stage three complaining. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. Yep. And then there are people who are like, okay, listen, I'll make the best of it. I'll clean out my house. I'll do that. You know, I'll right. use FaceTime and Zoom. Right. And it's, it's all across the board, but you see the ones stuck in stage three and the ones willing to move to stage four.
1: And I just want to say, I, I know that like, I, f- I feel like sometimes what I'm noticing as well is that I've never actually had these mental health experiences that I'm having now, I've actually never experienced them before. Like Mm -hmm. I obviously knew anxiety is a real thing, but I never really experienced it to this level before. So I was Mm -hmm. like, holy shit, like I'm getting such an insight into what people feel on a day-to-day, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's not rational. It doesn't make sense. It's like in my head, I know it's not, it's as real as anything, but I know, I think it's because, I don't know about where you are, but there's no end insight. Like we're in lockdown and there's no like date when we're going to open up. It just keeps going. It's just perpetual. And there's no, yeah. And I know also
0: there's no, it's hard when you can't plan. Yeah. You can't plan anything. Like, how do you, you know, you're trying to create a a life and a lifestyle and it's really challenging when you don't know, like, can I go do this thing? Can I, you know, be there? It's like, you can't do anything. Like I I have four kids and one of them is graduating six months early. So she's graduating in December and she has plans if the world is safe and opens up and it's okay. And then it's like, if not, what the heck does she do? So it's, uh, everybody's facing this.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is so incredibly helpful. Has there anything that we have um, missed or that you'd like to mention? Yeah. You know, one thing I, I would love to share the third
0: discovery and that was that uh, there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post betrayal syndrome. And we've had over 30,000 people at this point take the post betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent. They're struggling. And what's so interesting is uh, there's a question that says, Is there anything else you'd like to share? And we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof that's not true because people write things like, My betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 15 years ago, feels like it happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. So we know betrayal is a very different experience. From other traumas.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that because I have a summit called the Let Love Begin Summit, and I I run ads to it to get people to come and and take the summit. And you would not believe the amount of people who say, talk about betrayal. It's just filled with women, particularly. I was betrayed. One woman was quite graphic, uh, assaulted, all kinds of things. And it was just horrific. People and people jumping on and going, Me too, me too, me too. I just, it it was just so heartbreaking to to see that.
0: yeah, and the good news is you can heal from all of it. Mm. All let's
1: of just it. let's recap on those three discoveries again. Discovery
0: one: Yes, the first one that uh, healing from betrayal is very different from other life experience. So when you completely heal, you are out the other side. You uh, are in a state called post-betrayal transformation. The second one: uh, There's a collection of symptoms so common to betrayal it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. Mm-hmm. And the third. While we can stay stuck for years, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal from symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that fully healed state of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five stages. You don't skip them. The order doesn't change. And it's predictable what will happen as you move from one to the next. You will go from the symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that healed state of post-betrayal transformation.
1: Actually, I have one more question. So let's say somebody comes to you, they, they listen to this podcast, they realize, oh my gosh, I need to take this course. I need to work with yeah, you. Yeah. Let's say they're already in stage three. Do they start from stage three or do they go back? and? Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. They
0: absolutely start from where they are. We have people coming in at stage two, stage three, some coming in at stage four, yeah, some right. even at stage five. Yeah. Because they know there's healing work left to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've, you've been through the worst of it already. So Why not create something magnificent?
1: Oh, hundred percent. You've got one life. Let's live it. That's it. it. Ah, yeah. uh, Dr. Debbie, this has just been so amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if yeah. people want to find out more about you, can you mention a little bit about your books and how we can take the quiz and, and get sure. in touch? Yeah, they can find the quiz at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the PBT
0: forward slash quiz. And to get the book trust again, you can find it on amazon but get it from this link because then you can come back and get all kinds of goodies so that's the pbt forward slash trust again
1: and for anyone listening you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebelove.com forward slash ep45 dr debbie thank you so much again for being here i really really appreciate it. it has been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform and find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast. Was that what you wanted? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That was so good. It was really, really good. I just... I think I, I think I'm gonna come and take your cost <laughs>